1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Welcome to Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. Dr. Dan Schneider is out in Arizona uh, training some teams. Out, it's in Arizona, Germany. It's Arizona. He's out in Germany training, doing some team training out there. And we've got Kyle Clemen, who was, uh, he's the case facilitator for the DeLorean Fathers. He's literally Father Ripperger's right-hand man for the last, last dozen years. And it's, uh, what a privilege to have Kyle and Dan Schneider on every Wednesdays. Lot to talk about today. I just want to mention that the month of August, we honor and we devote ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This devotion has received new emphasis as a result of the, uh, the visions of Our Lady of Fatima to uh, Sister Lucy dos Santos, uh, rest in peace, back in Tui, Spain, back in 1925. One of the things that the Our Lady of Fatima has called us to is to the five first Saturday devotions to help make amends for the offenses committed against her heart by the blasphemies and ingratitude of men. And we're going to see, we're going to talk about some of the blasphemies and ingratitude of men. Uh, this one article put out by the Atlantic Journal. We'll talk about that right now. But uh, as Catholics, we also want to remind you that if you're not praying the rosary every day, guess what? Uh, you're not on the team. This is Team Jesus. This is Team Mary. And if you're not praying the rosary every day, there's a problem with you. So uh, let's get right, right to it. The Atlantic, which, by the way, uh, this publication, they, they were fairly well respected in times past, the, 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 the Atlantic Journal. It's a surprise that they would attack the Catholic faith sacred objects. The, the Atlantic uh, writer, he claims that the rosary is an extremist symbol with militaristic meaning for Christian nationalists. Um, I'm going to want Kyle when I, uh, he's on, he's on right now. I'm going to want him to talk about, he actually got something right because the rosary is a weapon, but it's not like the way he thinks it is. Uh, the, the Atlantic op-ed article, it argues that the rosary is used in prayer by Catholics in an extremist symbol taken with a militaristic meaning for Christian nationalists. The writer is, his name is Daniel Panatin. He's compared the prayer beads to an AR-15 rifle in a Sunday article entitled, How Extremist Gun Culture is Trying to Co-Opt the Rosary. He said this, Panatin wrote this, just as the AR-15 rifle has become a sacred object for Christian nationalists in general, the rosary has acquired a militaristic meaning for radical traditional or rad trad Catholics, close quote. This young guy, Daniel Penitent, also writes, on this extremist fringe, rosary bees have been woven into a conspiratorial politics and absolutist gun culture. Uh, he says, comparing the rosary to a weapon, the writer used a sacred item to blast Catholic campaigns against LGBTQ acceptance in the Catholic Church. Uh, this young writer from the Atlantic Penitent, he's also attacked the practice of praying the rosary uh, he says, in these hands is anything but holy. 
Kyle, here's what's what's interesting is that even when people again uh, criticize the Catholic Church without facts, there is a half truth in his statements. The rosary is a weapon, but not like the way he depicts it. And in fact, in this article, he also criticizes retired Bishop Phoenix, uh, retired Bishop Thomas Olson from Phoenix. Bishop Olmsted uh, is well known for his apostolic exhortation for men, talking about Catholic masculinity and his uh, his apostolic letters called Into the Breach. So this uh, this young writer from the Atlantic also takes a shot at Bishop Olmsted uh, for the videos that have been produced based on that document calling Catholics to mass to proper Catholic masculinity. So, Kyle, let me ask you a question. Um, this guy is saying, this young writer is saying that the, the rosary is a as uh, an extremist symbol. He says it's a military weapon. There's a partial truth to what he says, but can you can you help catechize this young guy and tell him where he's right and tell him where he's wrong based on his article? So the article is very interesting, Jesse, and you bring up this is a multifaceted uh, topic and and one that I, I relish the opportunity to discuss with you. <clears throat> First of all, I'm willing to bet that if you scratch deep enough, uh, this guy's been sacramentalized. This guy's a Catholic. Um, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to bet it. Uh, he's got the. He's got some some imagery and some discussion there that doesn't come from the uneducated or the uninitiated. Mm. And so I think that you 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 see the author you you get a real look at the author so he's got an axe to grind and he's going to grind it publicly he's got a problem with the church he's got a problem with the faith and ultimately he's got a problem with god yes. and he's grinding this axe publicly uh which is fine that's it's certainly uh, you know he has a right to free speech the thing about it is the real value of this article is uh pay attention closely this is how the left sees you um there was a, uh, for a long time, knights, fourth degree uh, knights have been classified as uh, on a domestic watch list. The Knights of Columbus is a domestic terrorist organization. Um, various, other, uh, various other groups are listed as domestic terrorists. We better pay attention to what's going on. Um, it, it's not to cause alarm. It is just simply to realize all right, this is the changing complexion of society, and this is a society that will ultimately turn on us. Kyle, let me make I, a comment. Let, let me make a comment. You're right. It was Kamala Harris when she was the attorney general in California. She's the one that came after the Knights of Columbus very hard. Uh, she wrote some scathing things about the Knights of Columbus, uh, saying that, yeah, it was kind of a, a, a militaristic organization. Uh, because again, they were unbending on the issue of uh, of, of abortion and homosexual, so-called homosexual marriage. So you're right. Kamala Harris is the one that she fired the shot over the bow. Now that you remind me, go ahead. Well, you're exactly right. And so she wasn't uh, roundly, um, you know, she wasn't roundly rebuked for that. And so, again, in a true diabolical fashion, the demon goes where he is not resisted. So there's no resistance. And now it's logical uh, that we get this next salvo. And so the demon militates to absurdity. 
the thing and you've even got prelates you've got bishops in certain dioceses who have ordered their knights to stop carrying uh the saber mm. and so this is this is in a capitulation bishop to state saying oh we're not militaristic we're not <laughs> so remember that father mcgivney established the knights at a time when in the 1880s and 1890s when Catholics were under open persecution in this country. We need to remember this. We've got to remember it. If we don't, we're going to, to be doomed to repeat these mistakes. And so Father McGivney um, and others, Cardinal Mundelein, others organized rosary rallies where rosaries and processions were done in public in response to this. This, yeah, this, is, this has happened uh, <laughs> a little better than 130, 140 years ago. And, and we've already forgot it, but Catholics were under open persecution in this country. Father McGivney uh, organized the Knights uh, to protect the Eucharist, the sanctity and, and the integrity of the Eucharist against Freemasonry among uh, the main causes. It is the same old shoot 'em up. The demon has a learning curve. He's got a little slicker. He's got a little uh, more prevalent. He's got... Uh, he's learned how to hone his message, but it's the same thing. Kyle, I let me, let me, somebody. Let me mention something real quick. Go there ahead. was also another, another another priest, also Father Peyton. Uh, he started these rosary rallies. Rallies started. He started them in Hollywood, California. In fact, there's still a a building that he left there. It's called the the, the Catholic uh, Catholic Family Theater, and that's where rosary rallies were started. I think back in the '60s in Hollywood. Uh, to try to bring back this uh, resurgence to this beautiful devotion. And, and I'm just wondering, Kyle, do you think that this young author, Pen Penitent, uh, what's his name? Daniel Penitent uh, from, the, from the Atlantic. You think he would, because Muslims also have these type of beads that they do their prayers on. You think that he would call the Muslim beads a militaristic weapon for trad Muslims? You think he'd even go there? No, no, absolutely not. Because again, you know, Islam and, and the Mohammedans, this is a diabolical, uh, that's a diabolical construct. And so right. they're not about to do that. Um, I, I would commission team. someone. Yeah, they are on the same team. They absolutely <laughs> are. I would commission and request someone to do a variation of the Gadsden flag. Uh, the Gadsden flag became a rallying point for Second Right Amendment uh, rights and Second Amendment rights and others. If you'll recall, it's a rattlesnake coiled on a yellow field with the words, come and take it. Mm. Uh, this yeah. refers to the cannon in, in, in Goliad, Texas. But it also is a variation on Mola Lave, which was the uh, Spartan response when they said, lay your weapons down and surrender. We have you outnumbered 10 to 1. And the Spartan response was, come and take them. Mm. I commissioned someone to, to do a variation of the Gadsden flag with the rosary that says, come and take it. Because I'm going to tell you that this is going to be uh, a rally point. This is going to be, the rosary is definitely a weapon. It is absolutely a weapon. It is a weapon against evil because it is the projections of the mysteries of salvation projected into the cosmos by those who pray it. The rosary over, it was, was instrumental in the overturning Roe v. Wade. The rosary is 
is instrumental in, ex in exposing evil. The rosary is instrumental because it is a focal point. It is a rallying point. St. Padre Pio called it I hear it a the weapon. music. But let's, uh, we, we're coming to a hard break. This is uh, Wednesday War College. We'll be right back. Just from Eric Clement. Don't worry. Stick around. That's the sound of the trumpet when Jesus comes back. Hey, hey, family, remember, uh, Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Jesus Christ is coming back. That's a metaphysical reality of the Catholic faith. The cavalry is on their way. We've got Kyle Clement on Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. And we're talking about this Atlantic piece by this young leftist, uh, Daniel Paniton, who doesn't know much about the Catholic faith. And he's attempting to call the rosary an extremist weapon. Uh, again, this surprises me because uh, the Atlantic was kind of a respected journal in times past. But what's interesting, Kyle, I'm reading a piece here that says Catholic online stores are reporting an increase in the sale of rosaries following the Atlantic piece of the Catholic faith. So rosaries are selling uh, all over the all over the Catholic uh, Internet, uh, you know, by by the hundreds. Uh, as a result of this piece. But Carla, I want you to talk about something that you and Dan ha have really made me aware of uh, even more and more. And, and, and I could see this is in the, the Bible talks about, again, the word of God. It, uh, it goes forth, uh, accomplishes what God says it will accomplish. The, the, the word of God, uh, it is uh, the, way, the way it's spoken of in the Psalms and in the book of Isaiah it's something that's projected forth into the cosmos. Can you talk about prayer as projected, prayer as a weapon? Again, this young guy, Daniel Paniton, uh, he's tracking in the right direction. The prayer is a weapon, but not so much as he, not like he thinks like a physical AR-15. It's actually more powerful than that. Can you talk about prayer as projection? Some people in the audience have never heard what you're about to say right now. Okay. Um, prayer is projection. This is a militaristic uh, example of it. So a couple of a uh, couple of uh, uh, precepts or, or a couple of foundational statements. Number one is that God's presence is made known uh, through people, uh, acts of charity. So the unseen God, the God uh, of creation, becomes manifest in the Christ. He becomes tangible. He becomes real in the Word, and then. The word is made flesh and dwells dwells among us. Uh, this this is the, the the central point to which creatures will either yield to God or they will oppose God. And so it is that declaration, that moment, that understanding. Interestingly enough, it is the incarnation. One of the central debates is about when does life start. It it starts at the incarnation. Uh, Jesus was present in the womb of Mary the moment she said yes and was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so this is a concept that we as, as Catholics, we know. We, we know it. 
we it's an absolute truth it's not a, a debatable thing and so then the projection what is projection the way non-corporal beings or angels communicate is through this projection is a concept or an image is brought into the intellect and then it is willed out into the universe we experience that from the diabolical as temptation or um, confusion or distraction when our thoughts are are disrupted it's not that they read our mind it is that they're broadcasting if you will or projecting something into the cosmos and so in a temptation when a temptation comes or a blasphemy is projected we pick this up whether we respond to it or not is whether the diabolical now has established relationship or dialogue but the projection humans have the ability to project we project in prayer we're praying out of faith faith is hope in things unseen and so we're praying to god we are extending and communicating our soul to he who created our soul and so prayer is this medium uh, of communication projection is an element of prayer and so when we project into the cosmos the realities of of the angelus the angel of the lord declared unto mary that's an absolute truth and she conceived by the holy spirit this this is taking the battle to the diabolical because it's causing calling to mind the moment at which they went apostate that they turned their back on god they departed god's holy will and they are now because of that uh, reaction they're now outside of the flow of grace grace is that which sustains all creatures and so grace is the medium of right communication this is why it's so necessary for us to be in a state of grace to be uh, to be in reconciled relationship uh, with god and so when one is in reconciled relationship with god in a state of grace the efficacy of our merit of his prayer if you will is increased so the religious who has lived a life of of virginity and purity and uh, fidelity to god when that virginal voice or that virginal mind is raised to god and projects the truth of the annunciation the first mystery of the holy rosary when when they see that when they say that the first mystery first joyful mystery is the incarnation you can't say that without all of these images coming into mind and the more deeply you project into the cosmos that reality see the stones of the courtyard uh, where the well was in nazareth see the blessed mother kneeling at that well see mm. the shadow of gabriel fall across the the cobblestones smell the sun on those stones see her turn and look at him and hear him say hail full of grace when you project that reality with that vividness into the cosmos the demon reacts very very violently because it calls to mind um that which he rejected that's what that which sealed his fate so that is projection you know uh, uh kyle and this is also i mean this is backed up right from scripture what you're saying Isaiah 45, 23, the Lord says, by myself, I have sworn from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness, a word that shall not return. 
Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall do what pleases me, achieving the end for which I sent it. Jeremiah 1, 12. Then the Lord said, for I am watching over my words to carry it out. So we see again, uh, the prophets talk about when God speaks, uh, God projects his word into the cosmos and God accomplishes exactly what he says. And we as Catholics, when we pray, what are we praying? We are praying either the word of God directly or alluding to the word of God. And so once again, we're doing the same thing because it's God word, God's word that we're projecting into the cosmos. In fact, it says when that when Christ comes back, look at how powerful his word is. Second Thessalonians 2.8. And when the law and then the lawless one will be revealed and the Lord Jesus Christ will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by his appearing and his coming. Close quote again. It shows us clearly that God's word has an offensive nature to it. God will slay the lawless one at the second coming with the breath of his mouth. Once again, everything you're saying, Kyle, it just, it just, uh, it just, it just patently fits with the word of God. Kyle, let me ask you one more question. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're exactly right, Jesse. And it's not, it's not true because I, I say it. It's, it's true whether I say it or not. It's, 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 this is not, something that I came up with or Dan came up with. This is just simply the truth of God, who he is and how he, how he works and how he's present in our life and how if we conform our will to his then and, and resist evil, then his will becomes more prevalent. It becomes more operative uh, in society. And so we're seeing the middle fall away. We're seeing the battle lines be drawn. This is the battle between the children of light and the children of dark. Yes, and uh, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to demonize one of the one of the most effective Catholic sacramentals that we've had in the last thousand years, the Holy Rosary. To me, this is the strategy of Satan because we know that Satan, ultimately the father of lies, uses all these uh, propagandist medias uh, to put out these half truths and to put out these deceptions and these falsehoods. The devil knows how effective the weapon is, uh, the rosary is because it, it, after 50 years, it overturned Roe versus Wade. And so the devil is now starting to use the propaganda, mainstream, mainstream, uh, you know, a fake news media to try to demonize the rosary to try to make Catholics. They say, hey, uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't be praying this. But the opposite has actually happened. Rosaries are, 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 are flying off the, the Catholic bookstores. And I think what this is going to do is I think there's going to be a renaissance in Catholics praying the rosary, just like Our Lady asked us to back in 1917, Our Lady of Fatima. Oh, Kyle, I can't, uh, I can't resist this. I'm just wondering if, uh, if it's a brand new day over in Wyoming now that Liz Cheney has been uh, defeated by, uh, by uh, an actual, uh, an actual uh, uh, MAGA Republican. I'm just wondering... Uh, what's what's the temperature over there in in uh, in Wyoming right now? That Liz Cheney, by the way, Liz Cheney's kind of delusional. She's compared herself to Abraham Lincoln. I don't think so. I'm just saying, what's the temperature off her Wyoming right now? Well, Harriet uh, Hageman is a favored daughter. She is someone who um, 
comes from a bona fide uh, lineage and heritage. She's a, a true Wyomingite. Um, she's not an import as Cheney uh, was. Cheney was just here, uh, and just like her father, just enough to get legitimacy um, and to be elected. But understand that Wyoming is very much behind um, Harriet. She doesn't make a speech that she doesn't talk about God, that she doesn't talk uh, about right and wrong, that she doesn't talk about integrity. Um, she doesn't make a speech without saying that. Um, and she's uh, she's just a good, you know, she's a, she's a good person. She has integrity. People who practice law against her, alongside her, the judges, you, you're going to be hard pressed to find a litigator and a trial lawyer with this kind of uh, reputation and integrity uh, and respect of her peers. Uh, Liz does not have that. Um, the big point to make always and everywhere is to understand something. Liz Cheney is the modern face of one world government. Her father is involved heavily, 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 arguably one of the most powerful masons in this country. He's a kingmaker. He's one of the those that operate behind. What you're seeing is the uniparty. You're seeing a functional yes. uniparty. Yes. And we better understand that. We better get a hold of that um, just to understand the landscape. Yeah, so well, it's a bright day over in uh, in, in Wyoming right now because uh, we've got uh, you know Harriet Hagman. She's already given her victory speech, or and uh, Liz Cheney's given her concession speech. Yeah, uh, Liz Cheney's part of the she's part of the swamp. We'll be right back. We got Kyle Clement Wednesday more college. Stick around. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Hey, Wyoming has spoken. Uh, Liz Cheney, uh, she uh, she will be uh, leaving her office very soon. She just lost. We got Harriet Hagman, who's uh, will be replacing her, and uh, that's good. Liz Cheney is uh, one of those Rhino Republicans. She's one of those Uniparty Republicans. She's part of the deep state, uh, and uh, so is her father. And it's good to see that we're going to have now. Somebody who has uh, Harriet Hagman, somebody who is uh, who wants to make America great again. Somebody who wants to make Wyoming great. Somebody who has uh, America's interest in mind. She's going to be taking her place. So good for Wyoming. God bless you guys. Kyle, I want to ask you another question about about prayers projection before we go on to another topic. Um, as we as we pray our Catholic prayers. Obviously, we're bringing things to mind. I mean, that's what we're doing when we're praying. We're, we're repeating the doctrines and dogmas of the church, but we're also bringing to mind those things that we're praying for. For example, like in the Divine Mercy, in the Angelus, in the Holy Rosary. And it's, it's much like what psychologists and psychiatrists actually tell us. They tell their patients, they say, quit talking about the rape, quit talking about this uh, this tragedy in your life, because when you talk about it or when you focus on this, you give it life and you give energy to it. So tell me about it one time, then don't talk about it again. That's kind of the same theology of prayer. When you when when we pray about something, just like psychologists, psychologists tell us, 
uh, when you focus on something positive, you give life to it and you give energy to it. Isn't that in, in, in kind of by way of analogy, something that happens with prayer? We're bringing it to mind. We're projecting it into the cosmos. And we're basically purifying our intellect by bringing these things to our mind. What say you, Kyle? Well, you're spot on, Jesse. Um, you're exactly right. And so this, uh, and I'm going to take this opportunity. Currently, we're doing a book study on Zoom, uh, The Ways of Mental Prayer by uh, Father Dom Vitalis Lahodi. It's one of the classical works. It's the second book in our bibliography for Liber Cristo. Uh, and it's very, very important. And so modernly, we have lost the art of prayer. But uh, this book study, uh, if you're interested in this book study, go to montecristo.net. That's M-O-N-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.net. And uh, email for information for this book study. Uh, you can get the recordings of the previous ones. Uh, as well as the Reclamation Theology Retreat uh, that's upcoming. I want to introduce that website to you as a, as a place to access um, a lot of our YouTube record, uh, recordings and, and talks, a lot of free stuff there on that site. So please go to that. It's partnered with Mon uh, Libra Cristo. That's montecristo.net. Um, and now after that shameless plug back to um, De Jesse's uh, Jesse's observation. And so he's precisely right is we form our intellect and we form our will through the, uh, through the discipline of prayer. Um, the root word of disciple is discipline. And so the catechism recognizes that prayer is going to be, um, is going to be opposed by the adversary. The soul that is committed uh, to the discipline of prayer is lost to the demon, St. Bonaventure quotes. Um, and so the demon knows that the praying person, and prayer is not a place of safety. It's not a place to cower. It is a place to uh, train, a place to uh, steal the mind and the will and the intellect mm. for the battle that is to come. And that's precisely what it is. So when Jesse, when he was in law enforcement, you don't go to the range for recreation. You go to the range to instill a series, a set of instincts and a set of skills and muscle memory that is going to be necessary in a situation that you don't have time to think. You have to rely on that which is within you. If your yes. pat reaction, if your pat reaction to a loud noise in the night is Hail Mary, then that's a much different reaction than, oh my, what's happening? Um, mm. And so we're either going to have a net, a visceral reaction of trust or of terror. And there's no middle ground. When something is unexpected, something happens, um, it's our response, our gut response is either trust or terror. Mm. Kyle, even the other side understands the, uh, the whole of, uh, prayers projection the occultists obviously they don't pray they do spells hexes and curses uh and and but they also understand that when they do you know conjure up demons when they do their spells hexes curses and incantations they also have an understanding that they're projecting these words these evil words and desires and designs into the cosmos and they're like as they say in uh, the movie ghostbusters it slimes people. 
Don't occultists also have this understanding as hexes and curses as projection towards other people? They do. They absolutely do. But let's talk about them metaphysically. What what are those? They are the corruption. They are the inverse of blessings and prayers. And so the the maleficies are the reverse, are the inverse of benediction, blessing, um, you know, wishing and praying for for the good of another, willing the good of another. And so they're willing the ill of another. And when they project these curses and maleficies into the cosmos, they attract to them diabolical entities which are psychologically compatible. You will draw to you those, um, whatever you exude, whatever you project, you, you become a lightning rod um, for those fallen uh, angels, those demons of psycho- with psychological compatibility. So this happens even when, when people gossip slanders, calumny. If you've ever been in a group of people who start talking badly about someone, watch how vicious that language becomes. Watch how vicious that discourse becomes. And it's it's almost like there's no check on it because it's now diabolically inspired. Hmm. Kyle, let's, let's uh, turn pages. I want to talk about now the virtue of humility. Uh, the virtue of humility as remedy for evil. And uh, let, let me, so let me ask this question. Is, is humility absolutely necessary for a penitent to find liberation through Christ and to once again reconnect with God the Father? Is, uh, is humility part and parcel of the healing? Or is it just kind of a PS? It's like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you, you could, the person could brace humility. They don't, they don't have to. They can still be healed. Uh, how important is humility in Catholic spiritual warfare? How important is humility as a remedy for evil? How important is humility to break the psychological compatibility with demons? How important is humility to stay living in a state of sanctifying grace and to stay free from the diabolical? Well, it's necessary for all of those things, but let me seize upon one particular statement that you made. Let me seize, let me seize upon one particular statement that you made, which is uh, the psychological compatibility. So addressing psychological compatibility, I think, is, is one of the things that we, we've got to put at the top of the list. Because the demon cannot um, cannot um, imitate virtue. He is vicious. Because of his fallen nature, all of his behavior is vicious. He cannot imitate virtue. He certainly cannot imitate humility. Now, to look at humility from a... Uh, so, pride, uh, one of the vices opposite humility... Is, is necessary to be psychologically compatible with the demon. So let's talk about virtue and in in make a couple of statements with regard to virtue in general and, and then humility uh, with specificity. So virtue is that right ordered habit. It is that which leads us to the good. And St. Thomas um, organizes virtue in the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. See in them the three persons of the Trinity, 
faith in God the Father begets hope in Christ the Son and is perpetually manifest in the charity of the Holy Spirit. So you've got the that Trinitarian overlay, and then we've got the four points of the temporal, the four cardinal virtues, uh, which are uh, prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice. And they are learned in a certain sequence, or should be uh, learned in a certain sequence, and not necessarily perfected, but cultivated. So these virtues are not infused, they're not given, they're only uh, attained through practice, through adversity. So the only way that the man becomes humble is through humiliation, until the point that his reaction is no longer humiliation. He desires to be humble, so um, it's impossible to humiliate the truly humble man. The humble man knows exactly who he is, the Blessed Mother makes two statements that, uh, that illustrate this point with regard to humility. On either side of a virtue are two errors or two vices. One will more closely resemble the virtue. But she says in the Magnificat, in her response to uh, Gabriel's salutation, she says a, a, a statement that if it were from anyone other than the Blessed Mother, it would be considered arrogant. She says, all generations will call me blessed. Well, she's precisely right. And she's saying that not because of her, but because God has chosen and worked through her. And then he gives, she gives the qualifier, which sounds like self-deprecation. Behold the handmaid or the lowly handmaid of the Lord. So the two vices on either side of humility are arrogance and self-deprecation self-deprecation or false humility is in fact a form of pride once we see that every virtue has these opposites it is necessary for all people for, for people to cultivate all virtues humility Probably hear the music. Is, is we're coming to a hard break okay. you're listening to wednesday war college we're talking about the virtue of humility as necessary for liberation, don't change that dial. Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. Got Kyle Clement. He is the uh, case facilitator for the DeLorean Fathers. He's Father Chad Ripperger's right hand man for the last 15 years in the field of healing, deliverance, and exorcism. Kyle Clement, all of you guys know that I have a boxing background. I have a kickboxing background. I did fairly well. I was a US, United States kickboxing champion uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. I trained with world champions uh, in boxing and in kickboxing for many years. I consider the guys at Liber Cristo, these guys are, are, are the elite top of the food chain when it comes to Catholic understanding of healing, deliverance, and spiritual warfare. So once again, I feel like I'm back in the gym training with, with world champions uh, as I collaborate with uh, Kyle Clement, uh, Dan Schneider, and uh, I have an annual retreat with Father Chad Ripperger. So uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad to be connected with, uh, with the, 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 top, uh, the top Catholics in this field. Kyle, I just want to mention that it's a good day in the it's a good day in Wyoming right now that Liz Cheney's political career it's over. Her political career is, career is over. She got absolutely smoked last night in Wyoming. And so that's good news. 
I also want to share some other bit of good news with with uh, with everybody that's uh, that's a person of faith and a patriot. There's a, a Protestant pastor over in, in California from Calvary Chapel. Uh, if Calvary Chapel San Jose, the, the Protestant pastor's name is Michael McClure. He just won in the California Court of Appeals. They sided with him and they said that it is unconstitutional in California to close churches for any reason, period. So the California Court of Appeals just sided with a Protestant pastor from San Jose. His name is Mike McClure from Calvary Chapel. Uh, the government cannot close churches in California any longer, period. So that's a, 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 that's a huge win for the patriots, the people of faith in California. Kyle, uh, I, I like to tell the, give the audience good news as it relates to uh, our Catholic faith. But let's go back to talking about the psychological compatibility that, uh, that's important to understand Catholic spiritual warfare. Let me let me ask you a question. A, a person will stay compatible. This is a question I have for you. Will a person stay compatible with a demon by refusing to live in a state of grace? And the second question I have is if you have psychological compatibility with the demon, is it true that the exorcist will not be able to drive out the demon so long as the penitent is psychologically compatible with the demon? The, first, the answer to the first one is yes. Uh, the answer to the second one is um, yes with qualifiers. And so here are the qualifiers. The first one was, uh, remember that this is a relationship. For the possessed or the obsessed or the even the oppressed, for this to continue, there is a relationship that has been established and is ongoing with the diabolical entity. And so when the person goes through repentance and metanoia, no longer wants the relationship, then to the extent that the relationship has been formalized, that's going to be how hard it is uh, to separate. Um, the old song, breaking up is hard to do. How much, of, how much of each other's stuff do you have? Do you know? Uh, do you have pet names for each other? You know, just exactly how far did this courtship uh, this illicit relationship go, but all relationship, every single relationship is based upon at least one element of psychological compatibility. If you and I do not love our Lord and are not uh, interested in promoting the truth of salvation, specifically with regard to spiritual warfare, there's a good chance that you and I do not know each other. And if we meet there won't be an ongoing relationship. There has to be a psychological compatibility. To the specificity of that compatibility is the deepness of the relationship. Does that make sense? Yes, yep. Mm -hmm. So that's just a universal truth. So when the time comes to uh, break up, when the time comes to uh, part ways, there's no longer a psychological compatibility, the demon has not changed. So that means that the human is undergoing conversion, metanoia, repentance to varying degrees. And that's not going to happen overnight. That's going to have to be perfected. And so for many people, this is it takes on the uh, atmosphere and the elements of a domestic abuse relationship. Dome and so the domestic violence is the demon visits 
physical and or psychological affliction upon the individual who is seeking now to um, pursue Christ, pursue our Lord, um, and is seeking to be out from under uh, the yoke and out from under the relationship. So where does humility come in? One of the primary psychological compatibilities is an elevated sense of self or a diminished sense of self. The demon can work with either one. Um, and there are demons of specificity that work with arrogance and those that work with self-deprecation. And so that psychological compatibility has to be broken, first of all, by changing the psychology, rightly ordering the faculties of the human person to the good, meaning to God. This is a turning from ad or uh, ad hominem, focused on the creature, to ad orientum, focused on the creator. And in that shift, there's a reordering of the faculties. The faculties are reordered by cultivating the virtues. That is the necessity of virtues and liberation, is in order to um, address the psychological compatibility, reconfigure uh, the temperaments and personality and desires of the person, the faculties of the human person, according to St. Thomas, must be reordered. We address this in phase two of the Libra Cristo protocol, but so necessary is this that liberation will not be achieved without the reordering of the faculties. The faculties will not be reordered toward God, toward creator, away from creature, without the cultivation and practice of virtue. Kyle, is, is, um, would you say that one of the reasons that the devil and demons fear Our Lady is because of her humility. Is that is that one of the reasons, uh, part of the reason, a large part of the reason? Uh, what say you? So it is, a, it is a large part of the reason. However, Our Lady is perfect in everything. She perfects everything. And so the, the humble person is not going to be humble, yet have uh, truly humble, and have glaring defects in other places, in, in other virtues. And so um, the virtues cannot exist independently. And so she's not going to be, she's not going to be humble and have a defect in fortitude or in prudence or in temperance. Um, and so she's perfect in all of these things. I think that one of the reasons humility always comes to the fore is that it is one of the universal defects in those that are diabolically um, afflicted because it is a universal defect in the fallen angel. It is a universal defect in all demons. Not all demons may have other uh, defects and they may even have, and they do have areas of specialty with regard to sin, but the one universal defect they all share is pride, um, which is a, a vicious uh, opposition to humility. Humility is the acceptance of who we are, where we are, the acceptance of all the specifics which God uh, chose for our soul, um, ethnicity, culture, gender, time and history, all of those things. We embrace each and every one of those with great thanksgiving. That's one of the attributes of, of humility. And the demon would have you oppose those things, to oppose God. And so that's the functionality of humility in breaking that psychological uh, compatibility. Kyle, we got two minutes left. 
on, on just on a human level, if you're evangelizing somebody and they're saying, I need to work on my humility. Uh, I, 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 I realize that I have some real problems in this area. In two minutes, what would you tell man to man? What would you tell another man who realizes that he's struggling this er in this area? Uh, how would you tell him to cultivate the virtue of humility? Get pure. Get pure. Stop doing things for yourself. Make everything you do yield to God's holy will, which is salvation. It's not about you as a man. It is not about you. The efficacy of your prayer, everything having to do with your station in life is predicated upon purity, your interior purity. Think pure thoughts. Speak pure words. Stop talking about yourself. Live your life for those souls that are in your care. Embrace sacrificial theology. Embrace the understanding that this is much, much bigger than you. You're simply an instrument. If you make it about you, then you're going to get clobbered and, and you're not on the team, so to speak. Um, step up. This is not about you. So anytime I hear the word struggle, somebody says they're struggling, then, then they're not really totally committed in being through with whatever it is they're, quote, struggling with. Ultimately, at the end of the day, everything that we do, all vicious behavior is stopped cold turkey by an act of the will. One day we're doing it, one day we're not. One minute we're doing it, one minute we're not. It doesn't mean that we've, that we've cured it and that we don't fall back into it, but you're either doing it or you're not. We had a guy that was possessed and the, uh, the exorcist was talking to him about the necessity to cultivate humility. And the guy looked at him and he says, I am the most humble guy I know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we just kind of looked at each other like, well, maybe not so much, but <laughs> um, we've got, we've got to understand who we are. Lord, let me see myself as you see me. Uh, give me the grace. Um, give me the grace to do what I ought to do. Discharging the, uh, our station uh, humility comes. Humility comes not because we pursue it. It becomes because we're doing other things correctly and we're doing other things rightly disposed. I think humility is one of those one of those things that you you know this. You've trained. There are guys, there are two kind of guys in the gym. There are guys in the gym because they want guns, because they want muscle, because they want bulk, and there are yeah. guys in the gym who are who are training for the conflict they're training for the battle and they don't care how big it, they get they don't care how what it that looks like they just want to be ready that's right you've been listening to wednesday war callers that's a wrap Colonel clement jess romero thank you very much family for tuning in we'll see you next time same christ sign praise same christ channel god bless you keep the faith